What if you had at your fingertips a sage who could tell you, Take a breath, sweetheart. Slow it down, honey. It's all going to be okay. Someone who'd seen you at your lowest moments. I couldn't hold my son or hug my husband because my own worry was so palpable. Who knew your insecurities. Why can't I just be like a normal person who doesn't view so many things as a threat? Who felt your overwhelm. I was experiencing the kind of anxiety that ejects your soul from your body. Who heard your loneliness and pain. I sobbed in the passenger seat of our truck as Jamie rubbed my back. And what if you discovered you've known her all your life? I just needed someone to reassure me. And that someone, apparently, was me. I wrote frantically, channeling her, my all-knowing, wiser voice. The words scrawled across the page and sentences formed as if by their own volition. Take a breath, sweetheart. Slow it down, honey. It's all going to be okay. An all-new guided journal from writing coach, podcaster, and renowned retreat leader, Nadine Kenny Johnstone. 28 essays followed by customized prompts to help you discover the wisdom that resides inside of you. Come home to your heart. Available now online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at bookshop.org. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I'm a writer and a writing coach who helps women develop and publish their memoirs and essays. But most importantly, I'm a human who's always trying to figure out what my soul is saying. Each week, I'll share stories and tips of healing, hope, and following my heart so that you'll feel inspired to follow yours. I love when I listen to someone who has put out a book talk about the inspiration behind it and why they've written it and the process that led to the finished product. So I wanted to give you a bit of a behind the scenes into why and how I wrote this book. I have written many types of writing. I started off as a fiction writer, and then I got into personal essays. I published a memoir in 2017. I never in my life intended to publish a guided journal, even though I have been an avid journaler for my entire life. It just never crossed my mind. And so... How and why (laughs) did I end up creating a guided journal? Well, it truly was a personal project. On my computer, the origins of this book were titled Relief Manual. (laughs) So my Relief Manual document was a place where I started to gather all of the prompts and practices that helped me feel better. And 
here's why I needed them. Like many of you, my life has not gone according to plan. (laughs) And I am a planner. My whole life changed 10 years ago. We had just gone through years of infertility and all of the tumultuous emotions that go along with that when we became pregnant with our son, Gio. And when he came into this world, it was such a miraculous gift that I naively hoped that the worst was behind us. But in his early infancy, I found that I was experiencing deep postpartum anxiety, like watching his chest rise and fall. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? Rewashing bottles. Are they clean? So excited and yet terrified to be in charge of another human life. And we were living in rural Massachusetts at the time in a wonderful home that we had bought and we had planned to stay in. But there he was, this little baby, and I was so lonely and I wanted my village. And so I proposed to my husband that we leave rural Massachusetts, where he had lived his entire life, to move to the heart of Chicago, where I had grown up. Despite this impractical nature of the move, my husband said yes, and we made the leap with a newborn to move into a third floor walk-up apartment in the city of Chicago to be near my mom and sister. And there were so many things that went along with that that were very uncertain. So even though it was a delight to have a village, we now had to face a lot of open-ended, terrifying situations. Like, would our house in Massachusetts sell? Would I get the university teaching job? Would my husband adjust from being a nature-loving guy to having to contend with Chicago rush hour traffic on his way to work? Would my book be published? Would the editors like it? So much was out of our control. And so one day I went to a coffee shop and I pulled out my journal because I was just so overrun with anxiety and uncertainty that I didn't know who or what to turn to. And unlike every other moment of journaling that I had ever done, where I typically would write to some outside unknown source, like a diary entry telling them about my day, I instead, by instinct, started writing inward to myself from my wiser, capital S, self. And I don't know where it came from, and I don't know why I did it. I had never done it before, but I was essentially writing a letter from this deep wisdom. And she was so reassuring about the path ahead. And so tenderly acknowledging everything that I was going through. 
And her words were so kind and wise that the way she spoke to me was exactly what I needed to hear. And instantly my nervous system calmed and everything about my anxiety started to just soften. And I finally felt like I could at least get through the day and then the next day and then the next day without being completely consumed by overwhelm. And I started gathering these journal practices and prompts in a document that I called my relief manual. And eventually over time, my life started to shift significantly, where I started making decisions based on my deep inner knowing, not other people's opinions. I started really living in an intentional way where I was present instead of preoccupied, where I was grounded rather than frenetic, where I was making really important life decisions about career and friendships and relationships and myself and life as a parent that were truly based on a deep inner knowing and everything shifted. It doesn't mean that I'm not a work in progress. I always will be, but my life looks very different now than it did in those early days as an overworked, frenetic, frantic, anxious parent who just felt like I was spinning in a cyclone. And so I gathered all of these things, practices, and prompts, and I thought they were just for myself. But then one day, I read one to a larger group at a writing workshop, and people were nodding along like they completely understood what I was talking about. And a woman came up to me after and said, that was exactly what I needed to hear. I wasn't the only one who was feeling discombobulated completely. And when I looked around and I thought back to the women I had been coaching as a writing coach for the past 15 years in teaching, I saw myself in them. And I saw also the very people who might benefit from these prompts and practices. I started looking around at my friend groups and my mom's friends and the neighbors on the block and going, oh, I wonder if this could help them too. Because here's what I was seeing, and maybe you can identify. I was seeing you, the moms out there, who are just frantically busy trying to do it all with not a moment to even go to the bathroom during the day or take a breath or a shower or eat a proper meal. I was seeing you, the person who is trying to do good work in the world at a company or as an entrepreneur, and you're doing all the things and life has fed you the lie that you should do all the things and you are exhausted And I was noticing you, the woman in transition, 
who had never planned on this change of life, but suddenly it was in your lap, whether it be a divorce or a relocation or the loss of someone you love, or maybe it was the eventual empty nest that you weren't quite ready for, or retirement, or forced retirement, or a layoff, or a really hard friendship breakup, or widowhood, or caregiving of parents or other people. These really hard times of transition I was seeing that again and again. I was seeing you who are trying to be a good partner, a good friend, or a good parent, and you have lost yourself in the mix. I was mostly seeing you, like me, which is women who innately have this burning bright light inside of them of joy and awe and wonder and gratitude. And it's like life has snuffed it out. And you look in the mirror and you don't even recognize yourself at the soul level. That part of you that knows joy and love and self-compassion and awe and wonder and rest That part of you is so far gone that you don't remember what it feels like. That's (laughs) who I ultimately started compiling this book for. Because these are the prompts and practices that have helped me at all of those stages of uncertainty or transition or overwhelm or exhaustion or completely forgetting who the heck I am. And so the journal became this place that is meant for you to be able to pick it up and hold up a mirror and see yourself again and reignite that flame of joy and wonder and awe. It's a place for you to listen to your innate wisdom and fall back in love with yourself. And so I created it to be really simple because the other hard part of all of this is that on top of everything that women are doing, we're also told that, well, you know, we should really take care of ourselves and we know the self-care tools. We know that eating well is helpful and meditation is helpful and going for a walk or being in nature is helpful. Journaling is helpful. And yet we go, okay. I've got a a journal, I've got a notebook, now what? And what happens is the blank page stares back at you and taunts you and you don't know what to write in it and so you feel doubly ashamed, which is the exact opposite of what the journal is here to do. And so I realized that these prompts and practices that I can guide you through helps to not be staring at a blank page and going, what the heck? I wanted this to be a place where a woman who is so overwhelmed could pick up the book, turn to any random chapter, 
dedicate 10 minutes. And after reading my little story, then looking at some of these questions and answering the questions, and then focusing on a see yourself activity, that at the end of the chapter, they would feel 10 times better than the previous 10 minutes. I wanted to create a guided journal that would give people all of the prompts and practices that I've gathered over 10 years of not only my own self-exploration, but all the things that I've soaked up as a student of the world and of spirituality, all the things I've read, seen, attended, all that was inspired by my learnings over the last decade go into this place so that you don't have to go and attend that retreat or read that book or seek that healer that you could have it all in one accessible place. And of course, all those things are great and wonderful if you can and want to do them. But they're all here in a journal. That's what I was going for, to give you everything that I've learned over the last decade. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean religious. I mean of the soul, of the capital S self, that kind of spiritual journey. I myself have a morning routine that I try my best to stick to because I know it helps me so much of short meditation and journaling and moving my body. But some days it's really hard. It's really hard to make the time or to have dedication to these practices. And there are some days when I try to talk myself out of it. But then I realize something really quickly, which is that when I don't do it, I ever so subtly yet quickly slip back into this burnt out, restless, frantic, overwhelmed, uncertain, ungrounded, anxious version of myself that I very quickly realize that the journaling helps to alleviate that. And I remember, wait a minute, when I do my practices, I don't feel that way. And I don't want to feel that way. Because what happens is that I realized I went to a retreat and one of the leaders had this quote that she read out loud. And the quote was, the longest, most passionate love affair you will ever have is the one with your very own soul. Those words sunk in deep. And I realized that when I don't make this time by myself, with myself, for myself, with my journal, what happens is that I am not prioritizing my relationship with myself at all. And remember myself, this is the longest, most passionate relationship I will ever have. She is with me for life. (laughs) And what I'm essentially agreeing to, it's like being in a lifelong toxic marriage with myself when I don't do these practices. 
And what helps me stick to these practices is that I very quickly remember the burnt out person I was when my son was younger and I was trying to do all the things and I was eating up that lie of life of the striving and I just want to go for the next thing and the next thing and I was so burnt out trying to do all the things and be the best this and the best that and try to reach the next level of teaching at a university and uh, all of the, the striving that I was having regular panic attacks. Panic attacks became a normal part of my life. And one day I was driving my son to preschool. And I had a panic attack. And he was in the back seat. And I could barely function, let alone operate a vehicle. And I thought, never again. I cannot operate at this frantic pace. I cannot be this person. I can't live like this. That wakes you up really quickly. Hmm. Oof. So when I don't want to do these practices because I think, what difference will it make? I remember that and I go, these practices make a big difference. I haven't felt that way in a long time and thank goodness for it. Oof. Just thinking about it just gives me the shivers. Ugh. So then I remember what these prompts and practices have done for me and my life and what they can help other women do, which is living an intentional life, a life of purpose that may not look like the status quo but it feels a hell of a lot better. I've given up many shiny things that look very wonderful on the outside and were killing me, not slowly, but quickly. I willingly gave up being a professor because it was unsustainable. I have willingly relocated to a place that has natural healing and sunshine all around. And that has come with great sacrifice. I have said no to really amazing opportunities because it meant being away from my family for long stretches of time or being a frantic, panicked person again. I have 
eliminated toxic relationships that were so bad for me and yet painful to have a breakup of sorts. I've created clear boundaries that may make me look whatever to other people. High maintenance, bitchy, I don't know what the words are, but I've created clear boundaries. I have stood up for myself when I have not felt supported or safe in a situation. Most importantly, what this past decade of practices and learning has done is that I like myself. I love myself. I am there for myself. When I make a mistake, as I do every day, I know how to put my hand to my heart and talk to myself tenderly and compassionately. I am a model for my child and the people around me of what it looks like to be self-compassionate, to make mistakes and acknowledge them and apologize and work on healing rifts. I am forever a work in progress in the most compassionate way. I'm trying every day to love myself better and better, to remember how wise I am, how loving I am. And ultimately, I know that these practices are helping when I look myself in the mirror and I remember her and I see her and I see that abundant light of joy and awe and wonder in spite of the many hard things that continue to happen in my life and in the world. So when I look in the mirror and I see that version of myself, which I truly think of as our core self, that's so loving and light-filled, that's when I know that it's worth it to dedicate 10 or 15 minutes to my journal every day. So, in a nutshell, (laughs) that's what the journal has done for me. (laughs) It doesn't mean that the world won't still be the world and life won't still be life. It means that we have these tools to help us through and to love ourselves and others along the way. That's why I created this journal. (laughs) My hope is that it will do for you what it has done for me. And I have great joy because I've been at my retreats giving the women sneak peeks of the content. And when I hear back from them that the practices and prompts are life-changing, clarifying, soul-level shifting, I go, okay, all right, (laughs) I've done my job. (laughs) 
So that's what I hope for you. So friends, my book, Come Home to Your Heart, an essay collection and guided journal is now out in the world. Online, wherever books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Bookshop. Bookshop is great because it supports local independent booksellers. If you know a friend who could really use this self-love, please send her a copy. Make it a surprise. Let it just appear in the mail or on her doorstep and see what it can do. And even better, be that friend to yourself. Let it arrive on your doorstep or in your mailbox. And let's create a movement of women remembering their innate wisdom and falling back in love with themselves. Let's create a movement of recognizing our own joyous selves in the mirror. Feel free to tag me on Instagram at Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I just want to see a collage of women doing this good healing work. What a joy that would be to see. <laughs> Michelle Rado, you are a part of my healing journey of being in community with incredible women. Thank you for doing such incredible work on this podcast. And remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week. Thank you.